Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another founder interview. And this time I'm happy to have the Chris and Joe from Mine, who have just finished up the first batch of the Parallax Startup Bootcamp. How are you doing today, guys? Yeah, all good. Thanks for having us back. Awesome. Yeah, I, was, I was glad to see your uh, pitch the other night. I thought you did a great job, and we'll get into what you guys think about it in a little bit. But uh, during the four weeks of the boot camp, what area would you say you've made the most progress? And let's start with the startup idea itself. How did you progress with mine? Mine, I think, has come on leaps and bounds. Um, so we we came to the boot camp with the idea of making investing in property more accessible to to everyone. Um, and we've really kind of validated that um, through through the course of this. Um, and what we've done is, you know, we, we ran a what we a fake door test to effectively figure out if people would actually want to invest in properties through a platform like this through fractional investing. Um, and so, so from our landing page, we took users to a effectively a basically a basic form. But in that process, they would fill out information on how they would invest, how much they would want to invest in the property based on some criteria that we'd predefined based sort of, sort of rental yields um, and estimated appreciation, just based on some general UK averages. And over the course of the last months, well, the fake door test has probably actually been going for more like 10 days, two weeks. Um, we've kind of had soft pledges from 34 investors but that amount has actually totaled over one hundred ten thousand pounds so i think we've really kind of proven that there is a demand there for fractional investing of, of short-term properties um, and i think that's really been the kind of focus and the 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 the, the biggest and kind of the best achievement so far of, of the boot camp yeah, for sure. And I mean, the goal was to gain traction. You guys sort of went above and beyond that, not only validated interest in the idea, but got people to sort of say, this is how much I'd be willing to put up uh, and put into the idea itself. Uh, so that's great job on that. We'll talk a little bit more about the fake door test later. Uh, but how have you guys progressed as founders then? Yeah, I think as founders, it's an interesting one. I think we... Well, from my point of view, talking about this idea in public has been quite a big, big thing for me. It's something that, you know, when you go to the pub with your mates, you might bring it up and just talk about it for a little bit. But then going on LinkedIn and like telling all the people you used to work with and your professional network about it is like another level. Um, and it was always something I was daunted by before. But having done it, it's been amazing. The response I've got from my network and it's... Um, yeah, it should be incredible. And then conversations that have started off the back of that, other people that have reached out because they're interested in the idea. And without just kind of building in public and sharing things and getting out there to the world, this never would have happened. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm glad to hear that you found support there. Uh, so the, the validation process that you use, the fake door test, for those of us that aren't very familiar with these sort of tests in, in sort of the product realm. How did you set it up? What did it look like? And uh, why did you want to do it in the first place? 
sorry, was on mute. The fake door test is really to kind of assess the market demands and to kind of prove, validate. It can obviously only work to a certain extent because it is, is very basic technology, but it's to validate a level of demand before spending how many thousands of pounds on developing an actual piece of working technology. Um, and the whole, the whole point of it was to kind of understand how much and if people would be willing and wanting to invest in something like mine, so in fractional property investing. So how it worked is we, had, when people signed up on our landing page, we redirected them to a form. Um, so we used Tally, for example, and we designed it to kind of look like a very basic version of what a kind of website would look like. The people would put in their name, their email, and then we would show them a property and say this property is expected to yield X percent this year and its appreciation is expected to grow at Y percent over the next however many years. Um, and we asked people to kind of suggest how much they would want to invest in that property. You know, people had the option of putting zero pounds, ten pounds, and hundred pounds. It, it was an it was an open ended question. Now, over the course of the last ten days, people have gone through that, and thirty four investors have put down an average of three thousand two hundred seventy eight pounds each. Um, after that, they were then directed to a, a page where. We said, sorry, we're not live at the minute. Um, this is just a test. We want to make sure we're creating the right platform for all our users. Do you still want, are you still interested in being a customer of mine? And do you want priority access when we go live? You know, all bar one of those customers um, actually went through and said, yes, I want priority access. So I guess it kind of shows that people aren't as aren't annoyed that we're not live yet and we're not tricking them. We're just kind of keeping them engaged with the process of of building out the startup. Right on. Yeah, that was that was one thing that I've always felt kind of I don't know uncomfortable about with landing pages that didn't have a product tied to them yet. You know, sign up and get started. Oh, we actually haven't started yet. I don't know was the response. But in this case, I think it was really important for you guys to see sort of a if they were interested at all. B how much they would. Um, like to invest and it showed that you put the work in to give a real example use accurate numbers for for the outcome of the investment so i think that sort of made it more trustworthy or more, more believable for for the reader just get yeah exactly that was, that was the idea behind it yeah and i think we were both kind of surprised by the reaction we actually got considering we we went out there and were kind of saying that it was going to be from as little as a hundred pounds to make it accessible the fact that the average is like three thousand pounds um we weren't expecting that at all so that's a really great response yeah it sounds super all right uh just a general question uh do you have any person or persons who really inspire you as founders yeah i guess you know Especially in the building public space, there's a couple of founders that are that I personally follow, and and they're, they're quite active on social media. I listen to their podcasts. 
that's uh, Dan Murray Surter, who's the founder of Heights, and Nick Telson, who was the founder of Design My Night and is quite openly developing a B2B sales platform called Trumpet. And they offer loads of kind of advice as second time founders, but also showcase the value of building public. And that, you know, it's been very helpful following them kind of even before the bootcamp and been considering during the bootcamp kind of focusing in on what they're doing and how they're kind of doing it has, has been really helpful. Um, and, and I guess, you know, the classic one, Paul Graham, we've very much taken a do things that don't scale approach to start through this bootcamp. So, you know, there's, he's always got plenty of great advice. Yeah. So for me, I think it follows on from the Paul Graham example. Um, a while ago, I listened to the podcast uh, Masters of Skill with Brian Chesky on it, the founder of Airbnb. And obviously that's kind of in the same kind of space and tied closely to what we want to do. Um, and they followed that advice down to the T where they were going and interviewing um, people that put their properties on Airbnb and understanding what works for them, what doesn't. And I think that really resonated with us. So when we were kind of speaking to users signed up to the list, having calls with them, um, the amount of information we got that was things we didn't think about were, um, yeah, it's really kind of eye-opening. And we wouldn't have done that if we didn't reach out to them and start really small. Right on. And uh, just off the top of your heads, do you remember how many uh, of the users you actually interviewed during the process? I think it's about 16 now, maybe maybe closer to 18 at this point. Cool. All right. Uh, if you could go back to the start of the boot camp, uh, what would you do differently, if anything? Good question. I personally am quite happy with it like the process we've gone through on the boot camp i think we're in quite a good position um i think it would be the way when i first started when we first produced the fake door test it was too long so people weren't completing it but we kind of fixed that book more recently and the the, the kind of responses we've got from that have been considerably better because i was like kind of asking too many questions and stuff like that so I would have probably altered that earlier on, but it's all part of the learning. So, you know, I personally probably wouldn't have, have changed anything. I think uh, for me, maybe just getting started sooner. I think we, and even before this boot camp, we were kind of, um, our next plan was getting a landing page up and running that we could then drive people to and see how they converted. And I think it you go back and forth so much on, making it perfect um that you waste a lot of time just when you should just be sharing it getting getting people to read it and give feedback so i think just getting started with it all soon now would be my my takeaway good fun yeah and and joe you've been uh previously you were a mentor and you organized an accelerator program for startups so uh how's it been for you as a founder on the other side of this experience I think the most difficult thing is taking your own advice. You know, a lot of the advice given is kind of advice I've passed on to founders previously. So I was kind of well aware of the advice that, that would come my way, but actually taking my own advice has been probably harder than I thought it would be initially. 
but to be actually sit on the other side of it has been a massive learning experience for me and, and something I've enjoyed as well. Awesome. Uh, did you guys have any favorite workshop or webinar from the boot camp, uh, if you can remember, and why? I think mine personally was the first one about um, building in public and how we kind of share this on social media. It, it's something I've never been great with social media myself. Like personally, I don't really use um, social media. I have it, but it just kind of sits there. So having these tactics that we could apply to how to write good posts that um, target the right users, that kind of thing was uh, really valuable to me. All right. And now that the bootcamp is over, do you have a clear vision of what the product mind itself will look like going forward? Is it an app, a web app? What do you think? Yeah. So it will probably be a web app to start with. It, it would always be nice to have an app eventually, but I don't think that's in the immediate plans. Um, I think we need to run a number of experiments. Obviously, the barrier to entry and the problem that exists with for a lot of people is the same problem that we will have. You know, there's high monetary value and barriers with in terms of regulation for for ownership. Um, so we may probably we will probably run a rent to rent experiment. So we will rent from a landlord, raise a year's worth of money up front, and then distribute back to the investors the rental income now there obviously won't be any appreciating value in terms of the asset and ownership there but people will still be able to generate income by investing with us so it's probably a cheaper way and a more lean experiment that we could run um and yeah we we, we just need to plan out a number of experiments to figure out what will work best for us but the, the concept behind it and the mission still remains the same to make property investing more accessible to to everyday people. All right. Uh, are there any other experiments that you'd like to try? I think there are a lot of different cool ways to to grow mine in the future, and unfortunately, most of them require a good amount of money to to pull off. So, other than the rent to rent, do you have any other ideas for uh, ways to grow the network? either in terms of, of properties or in terms of investors. Yeah, so another one is uh, the types of investors we're targeting. Um, eventually, we want to have retail investors on our platform. Um, but to start with, through speaking to, through this process, we spoke to a lot of industry experts, learn more about the regulation side of it what um, and how it's easier to get this off the ground. And one of the the kind of pieces of advice is going after high net worth individuals and um, so professional investors as they're, they're not regulated as heavily, but it means we can still prove the concept. Um, and then once we've done that, it's easier then to get regulated. So that would be another one targeting these high net worth um, individuals. But then the question comes, how, how is best to target these and speak to these? That makes a lot of sense. All right, so uh, putting on rose-tinted glasses then, what does success look like for mine in three to six months? Yeah, I think... Um, oh, sorry, you take it, Chris. <laughs> sorry. I think we did, we had planned better than last time, but uh, 
Um, I think the rent-to-rent experiment we, that Joe talked about, it would be good to be in a place where we've got one of those set up within kind of six months um, and potentially looking for the next one. Now, obviously, we need to kind of find the um, property, find people that are willing to invest, which we, we're in a good place with that at the moment. Um, but that would be ideal. And then also with the regulation side of it, <clears throat> be in a better place than we are today where we're closer to getting regulated so that we can then start having retail investors on our platform. All right. Well, I look forward to following your progress there. Uh, you've just finished up your pitch this week as it was the end of the boot camp. Uh, how do you think it went and what would you change, if anything, ahead of future pitches to investors? I think we'd really like to kind of discuss our plans for experiments actually and kind of include some of that detail in our pitches to show how we're moving forwards, what we've kind of learned from past experiments. And I think it's really important to mention that and it's not something that we kind of highlighted too much in the pitch. It kind of came up briefly in the Q&A, but I think highlighting that in the pitch will be, will be great as well. And I think we need to kind of highlight more detail on the competition. Again, it came up in Q&A, but it would be good to kind of speak about each of those competitors and how we differ from them. Right. Anything else? Okay. All right, so last question then, and we'll wrap up. Uh, what feedback do you have for the team here at Parallect on the bootcamp itself? Uh, this is obviously the MVP version of the bootcamp. It was batch one. So how do you think we can improve it for founders ahead of batch two? Um, I think one of the discussions that me and Joe have been having between ourselves and kind of reaching out to others is, how can we set up these experiments? Um, what does the MVP look like, even if it doesn't go anywhere with Parallact? How do we do this kind of thing on our own? Um, so potentially having that kind of thing built into the to the boot camp could be really helpful, um, just to give us a better starting point, especially when it comes to the pitches, so that we know, you know, this is going to be what we're what we're doing as our next steps. Um, I think that. We, we found out eventually, we kind of got there, but it took a lot of talking to industry experts, that kind of thing, and working through the options to know what are our best next steps. All right. Well, thanks again for your time, and thank you so much for going through and really uh, crushing me in the bootcamp batch one with your startup mind. It's been exciting to, to watch your journey, and it will be exciting to continue to watch it. So... I will put links to your momentum landing page and uh, any other links you guys want me to put in the show notes so that people can follow along and see what happens with mine in the near future. It'll be fun. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another round of interviews with the founders that just finished up the first round of the Parallax Startup Bootcamp. And I'm here right now with James Hutchison from the Startup Lingoers. James, how are you doing today? You all right? Yeah, not bad. Thanks. How are you? Really well, really well. Uh, 
I got to catch uh, your pitch yesterday. How did it go? Yeah, I think it went, uh, from my perspective anyway, I think it went quite well. Um, yeah, there were a lot of questions that came afterwards. I tried to keep it under eight minutes, shortened to the point. Um, it's harder. Um, it's easier said than done. But yeah, I think it was quite good. Awesome. Yeah, you did a great job in my opinion. Uh, so over the last four weeks during the boot camp, uh, what area would you say you've made the most progress? And let's start with the actual uh, idea itself for lingoers. Yeah, so at the start of the boot camp, I didn't know what sort of solution it would be. I was thinking it'd involve video calls of some sort, but I didn't know who the target persona would be. Um, since obviously having my interviews and speaking with different people, I found out that the ideal sort of person would be um, an intermediate speaker because it's conversations over video calls. It should be group calls as well um, because there's more conversation and there should be cue cards because people often struggle with small talk sometimes when having conversations. But, um, but yeah. Very cool, very cool. And for yourself as a founder, what progress have you seen? So I've been messaging um, users on competitor apps like Tandem um, because they're actively looking to improve their language school uh, skills. Um, I've reached out to language uh, schools and I've um, yeah I've had a lot of different conversations with both friends and friends of friends who've referred um, the idea to other people. And I've I've made a lot of learning. So um, it's little things I think uh, the compounding ten minutes each day or every few hours uh, adds up. So that's what I'd say. Rather than seeing it as like a massive mountain to climb, it's little steps. So yeah. All right. And so along the way, uh, those little steps, uh, what sort of qualitative or quantitative ways have you uh, validated or refined the idea for Lingoers? Yeah, so to date, from the landing page that's been gener- that I generated at the start, um, I've had about 35 people sign up to it, which is without any paid ads. That's just organic me messaging people saying, hey, look at this link, posting on uh, Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, I've had, I think, 14... Um, problem stage interviews now with people asking literally a 15 minute call just video chat saying um asking the right questions and like what you currently do at the moment not trying to sell lingoers but finding out what their current habits are and how they're currently trying to solve the problem so uh, they're the main two metrics and qualitative is uh good feedback in general and um, not too much negative feedback a lot of people are struggling with the same problems so i think the problem has been validated at least from my perception and from the numbers so yeah yeah, and I was happy to join you for one of those problem interviews as interviews as uh, a language learner myself, um, and it was a fun uh, way to to give you my perspective on the problems that I faced. So, uh, what were some of the key things that you found through those interviews? Yeah, so I found out that um, obviously someone who's listening to this might think, well, what's different about Lingoers compared to other apps like Duolingo and things, and I'd say that. I've tried almost like every app that I've searched basically to try and practice uh, Spanish and Italian. So I've, I've given them all a good go. And I found that um, video calling is the main thing. And especially, I think other apps are good for like learners, like the absolute basics, like Duolingo for the hello, how are you sort of thing um, and keywords. But that doesn't make you fluent. So there's definitely a gap I've found from speaking to, to my user panel between people who are like A1, A2 in terms of like international levels, languages. And an intermediate is like B1. And B1 upwards generally means that you can have a conversation. You can live in the country and get by, basically. Um, 
it should aim for the, those and above and language apps leave them for the absolute beginners lingo should be for people who are like b1 upwards they have a conversational level but they want to get more fluent that's uh that's the main learning i think and also whether it should be one-to-one or group video calls and the learning is that it should be group video calls because there tends to be more discussion and you can sort of sit back if you're a bit shy you can sit back and listen to other natives and uh, people speaking so yeah all right well that's great to hear uh i'm curious uh you mentioned a few times in the first interview different uh people that, that you wanted to emulate and people that you've met in terms of startups and founders, but who, who else inspires you as a founder? Then I think I mentioned this as well at the first interview. I think um, Stephen Bartlett, I would say, because he released like a few YouTube videos like years ago, like in 2015, I think. And since then, I've been sort of following what he's been doing at Social Chain and now he's on Dragon's Den. So I um, I watch it regularly and I like his approach to things. Um so yeah, he definitely inspires me because he's, he's from a background where it's obviously like um, less understood and everything, and he's come a long way from where he he, he has been. So he's demonstrated that, and like most things are possible uh, with the right work, but the sacrifices. So I understand that. Um, but yeah, he's been an inspiration for sure. Cool. And the goal of the boot camp, as we described it, was to gain traction in four weeks. So, in your opinion, have you achieved that goal? And what metrics do you look at to say yes, no, or maybe? I think simple answer is yes. I think um, in the boot camp, I've gained a lot of traction um, with the help from um, everyone working behind the scenes. Um, the traction, I would say, is uh, landing page signups. I've, I've got, I think, 35, as I mentioned before, in there. Um, and also the problem stage interviews. That was sort of the kick of motivation that I needed because it's li- little things like that that you sort of... Um, you get motivated by doing action. Well, I certainly do anyway. You see results. Oh, okay, this is possible. You see you see it happening. And um, so, yeah, um, I think I validated the problem. And that's in terms of learnings, learning what people want, what matters, what doesn't matter. There's quite, like, specific things as well which, which I've picked up on. Like, uh, people like to know how their learning style is. So if they like to be corrected on everything they do wrong or if they like to just go in a sentence and flow. And if I do five or six grammar mistakes... It doesn't matter as long as you understand me. That's how I like to learn. Some people like to be corrected constantly. And it's a few little facts like that that I've learned from the problem stage interviews. And I'd call that traction in terms of learnings. Very cool. Uh, if you could get in the time machine and go back to the beginning of the boot camp, are there any things that you would do differently the second time around? So I've had to think about this. And I tried, well, myself and, and a friend tried doing uh, this concept back in 2017. It was called Lingo Online. And the issue is you need a network effect for a, a social media platform to gain traction, really. And the way around that is um, focusing on a niche. So the niche that I think I should focus on is Spanish and English um, speakers. So rather than go for every single language, like there's loads of languages, focus on um, the most popular ones. So I think English and Spanish are very, very widely known. So I think to start with, I would not target Italian, not target French people, just go English or Spanish and then have them in my user panels. That's what I'd do differently to focus mo- more of my attention on that. I expand. All right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, what was your favorite webinar or workshop during the course of the boot camp and why? It's a difficult one because in my opinion, they're all really useful. So I can't really... If If I had to pick out sort of one i would say the problem stage interview where you're um 
what kind of questions to ask. Don't sell them the solution. You're not speaking to people to say, look, pay me money for this idea. You're saying, hi, I've got this idea, rough idea. The less they know, the better, because then they're not just going to say yes to please you. And then asking about their current habits and their current, uh, how they're current, what they're using at the moment. Are they using Duolingo, Memorize, what they like about it, what they don't like? Um, so that was really useful and sort of brought back memories of um, that time when I was doing that as a product manager at Nova. So it's nice and refreshing. All right. And you've already described a few aspects of this, but I'm curious, uh, what is your vision of Lingoers now as sort of the first version of the product? Yes. Yeah, so obviously at this point, um, the end of the bootcamp, uh, the sort of goal is to win an MVP. Um, however, failing that, um, if I do, brilliant. But if not, then so be it but i have an idea to build an mvp using possibly bubble or a combination of um solutions that you can stick together using no code um it's like google sheets for the database of people um a lot of like uh like calendly for scheduling zoom um, and a simple landing page so i think that's all you need really because the question is i think an mvp is what's the smallest and the thing you can create with the least resources like time and money to answer the questions that you've still got and assumptions. So I think um, there's a lot of assumptions that still haven't been tested. So I think um, to answer your question in the next few months, I think a basic MVP has been built. There's users actively using it. Um, I can't put a number on it right now because it's hard to know at that point, but there's people using the MVP, returning, coming back to it, and there's good quality feedback from them. Awesome. Well, I look forward to following that progress. And... um... But you've just finished your pitch. Let's go back and wrap up on that point. Uh, how do you think it went? And uh, what would you change if you were going to pitch Lingars again in the future to investors or, or another accelerator, for example? I suppose um, I, th- I think it went quite well. Um, the things I got a lot of questions about the fundamental concept of how the video calling works and what would encourage the incentive would be for an native speaker like myself to go on and speak in English for a bit while I traded my time. So um, I didn't go into much detail about that. Um, the questions came and sort of unraveled the detail. But I think if I was to change it, I would add a little bit more detail about how it works uh, in the sense that it's group calls. on a, You can schedule a group call. Um, it's a maximum of six people and there's three natives and three non-natives and they can all practice. And the idea is it's like a the idea is to resemble a language exchange in real life, which I've been to a few times, in that you have like half an hour speaking Spanish, half an hour speaking in English, and both parties get to exchange and practice their, their speaking. So um, I'd be more clear on that so that um, investors didn't ask um, what the concept is, because that's overall the idea, isn't it? Um, and yeah, I'd just try and make sure I got my point across in as concise as possible, which is very difficult, but um, I think I just about got there yesterday, but but we'll, we'll see. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I wasn't really clear as I watched the pitch as well. I was like, what is the mechanics here? Who, why, why would I want to do this? But once you explained it in the, in the follow-up questions, it made a lot more sense. Uh, so uh, that's almost everything I have to ask you about. But uh, what is some feedback you would have for the bootcamp team here at Paralect? Uh, obviously, this is version one, so this is our MVP of the bootcamp. So uh, what what do you think we could improve for batch two? I think, um, first of all, my feedback is very positive uh, for Powerlect. Uh, thanks for all the help that you've given so far, the designs, everything that sort of mentoring and that. Um, in terms of improvement, I would say use more 
case examples. I only thought about this um, uh, earlier today, actually, so I didn't put it back on the form. But I would say, yeah, use more case examples because it's um, it's good sort of saying, look, this is what you can do. But if you show like, oh, this is what this founder in the past um, cohort did, and this is a success that they got from it, that would be perfect. So now you've got like obviously myself and the other founders of this cohort. Um, if you use examples from that and show the next cohort, look, this is what they did and this is the result from it, I think that'd be very useful for them just so that they can see um, the action and the sort of uh, benefits of it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'll have to, we'll have to think about that because we do obviously have uh, a history of startups that we've worked with and they succeed in different ways, but there are definitely yeah. some lessons that we can learn to to give you guys more real life examples as it goes on. Um, so that's a good idea. Thanks for that. That was. All right. Well, uh, James, thank you so much for your time today. And I look forward to following the progress on Lingoers. Uh, we'll put links to your landing page and your social uh, media profiles in the show notes for this. And of course, share it with the rest of our network. So thank you so much, James. And congratulations on finishing the bootcamp. Perfect. Thanks, John. And thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on. Right on. Bye-bye. See you later. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a finale interview with the founders who have just finished up the first batch of the Parallect Startup Bootcamp. And I'm here today with Sam Collera from PT Fitness Coast. Sam, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing really well. Thank you, John. Fantastic. And so yesterday uh, you had your pitch along with the other founders. Uh, how do you think it went? Um, I'm always quite hard on myself, so I'm never one, you know, just come out saying it's gone brilliantly. Ultimately, but I suppose if it does go brilliantly, there's no room for growth. So um, I take that side always. There's always room for improvement. Um, it went okay. Um, I had prepared for the pitch. Uh, there was a slight mix-up with a link beforehand, but again, that's what is what it is. Um, so yeah, there was a, the questions were were difficult, which again is good because it pushes me into a place that I haven't been before, which is get another another area for growth. So yeah, fifty-fifty. Um, awesome. All right. Well, room for improvement is always a good thing. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So the boot camp has been four weeks long. You guys have all worked uh, quite hard to gain traction for your startup, and in your case, for PT Fitness Coach. So looking back on this time, what areas would you say you made the most progress during the four weeks? And let's start with the startup idea itself with PT Fitness Coach. Um, it's given me a chance to really focus on the MVP and where that needs to be niched down to, which was really good. Having a lot of interviews, I had the pleasure of speaking to over 200 personal trainers, uh, whether that was via DM um, or via a short call, or I actually went out to a lot of gyms and was speaking to them face-to-face. -face. Different environments, whether that's over a Skype call, said obviously via a phone screen or face-to-face, -face. so and different times I could speak to them. Some may have been that 30 second conversation, two second conversation by DM, or it may have been lucky enough to have a 10 minute conversation face to face. So the information I could get from them and the, depending on the environment they were in was a lot different. So being able to niche down for the MVP idea really has helped. Um, also while I was in the, on, the, on that element and the MVP side really did help me during the pitch. Um, uh, the team at Parallel, obviously, very experienced uh, 
uh, people so that they were able to really grill me on the questions. But ultimately, that taught me a lot in that half hour, 20 minute talk that I was with them. Um, the waiting list I've been able to grow over 30 days got a lot further than I expected with that. Um, I thought maybe 20 or 30, maybe 40 PTs may um, like the idea once I uh, put it to them. That actually went over to 180. So I was really pleased with that. Awesome. And I was able to sign some brands, a couple of um, international brands as well. So that was really good for me. Awesome. That's fantastic. And we'll get into sort of what the MVP might look like look like a little bit later. But uh, so what progress have you made as a founder then during these four weeks? Um. I suppose the area that I have made progress as a founder is get really being able to decide what is going to move the needle at any one point. So I, I am quite good at planning or generally having an idea of what I wanted to do. One thing that I set myself as a goal was every night, depending on what I've done the previous day, that night making a plan for the next day. So um, that I was definitely able to um, advance on. Building in public really did make a difference, I found. Uh, making yourself even more accountable, not just to myself, which is what I find the most important, but to the Parallel team and the wider community via Twitter. I chose it as my medium to um, put out there what, I, what my plan was for the day and try and stick to that daily. Yeah, and I've, I've been following your progress on Twitter. You've got a lot of uh, really high-profile followers in just a few weeks, so... Kudos on that. You've done a great job there. Thank you very much. Uh, so you said you've talked to to over 200 PTs. Uh, what what were some feedback that you got from them that will inform what the product might look like? Um, so, I mean, if you can imagine, we see everyone is different. Everyone's got a whole set of problems. Um, so there was a lot of variables in there. Generally, I found that the trend for personal trainers wanting to grow their business. And when I was broaching, what do you, how do you see that happening in the next week, month, six months? A lot of the answers were don't know. But the overriding factor that I found from personal trainers and wanting to grow their business or the idea of how they're going to do that was taking going from a face-to-face -face environment to taking that online. And I always used to just, you know, put it back to them that it's – You've only got a certain captive audience around the gym that you actually work in, but online, you could be talking to somebody right around the world and helping them in their journey. So being able to take their face-to-face -face business online and becoming more professional in terms of more organized, uh, being able to um, have everything in one place, which I, and after the pitch as well, have now uh, really got that down to probably the first thing that they need is a CRM where they're able to control everything, um, their clients, their client data, um, and even a way of maybe contacting them via that, so a communication tool. Very interesting. So you've mentioned a few times, and in the first interview, you also said that you don't want to make PT Fitness Coach for everyone because that it won't be perfect for anybody. Uh, so who have you uh, decided to target as your first sort of narrow niche? Personal trainers that want to become more organized and that want to have everything accessible to them. Um, at the moment, they're using a whole wide of a whole 
wide variety of different uh, solutions to do this um, and being able to help them organize themselves in a way where they can then provide the best service for their clients. The more time that I can save them, the more that time they can then allocate to clients. Right on. All right, you mentioned the traction that you gained in, in the four weeks. Uh, the sign-up numbers were very good. So uh, were there any other metrics that you looked at to say, I have achieved the traction that I could have or I didn't achieve my goals in terms of traction? Um, I actually surpassed what I thought I was going to get. I didn't actually have any idea of it. I said I, I was hoping for 20 to 40 signups uh, and I thought that would be good. I didn't realize uh, over time you realize that your sale, your so sales pitch is not a nice way to put it, but the, the way you communicate to your idea over to the personal trainers actually gets much more concise. Um, I've worked in retail before and I've had businesses in retail, which really allows you to work people out quite quickly and find out what they're, what their um, their pain points are. So being able to tailor my solution and put it in a, a story form for them and how I how they can envisage it would change their life and make their um, their business more profitable and create a quicker journey for their clients. Um, I was able to do that quite well and that just got better over time. And the referrals that I, re that I got from personal trainer to personal trainer was actually quite surprising. Um, I didn't think I'd get that many, but again, really surprised. I said 180 on the waiting list, 180 plus. I'm just overwhelmed with that and just thank everyone for, for believing in what I'm trying to put together. Yeah, it's a great story. And definitely the, the retail sales and sales help uh, or experience uh, really helps you sort of hone down your messaging very well. So... Uh, if you could go back in time to the start of the boot camp, would you have done anything differently over these four weeks? Um, yeah, I suppose just improve on everything. And it, it's what, with, with hindsight, it's a lot different. You know, you know what actually makes a big difference towards the end. Um, I, um, although I was using omni-channel marketing right away across social media, I may have actually honed in on one particular one or the other. Um, I wanted to go through Twitter because it was a medium that I hadn't really used for PT Fitness Coach prior to that. And obviously that was an element that was going to help Parallect. Um, but I think for me, if I had actually concentrated a bit more on Instagram, I think I would have got quite a few more signups than I did. All right. That makes sense. Uh, and you've mentioned a few times sort of a clear vision of the product itself. So could you lay that out for us? Is it, are you thinking about an app, a web platform? Uh, what, what will it look like? Um, web, oh, sorry, an app over a web platform. Um, the website, there are going to be PTs that I, I would like to use a web at, um, at some point on a laptop or a larger screen device. But ultimately, it's a, a device in your pocket that is going to make a difference for me. Um, that's the way they communicate with their clients currently. It's how they've been used to using that. So definitely a web, also definitely an app-based platform. All right. And uh, this batch was, of course, batch one for the yeah. for the startup boot camp. So uh, it was very much a work in progress, and we're going to do another batch very soon. So uh, what feedback do you have for us here at, the theme of Parallax for batch two. Anything we can improve? 
Um, I'd say create a cheat sheet for founders to help them get the most out of the bootcamp. Um, that would be the only thing I could say in terms of that I found that would, would help, whatever that might be and whatever you feel within Parallel has actually been harder to take control of. In terms of founders, um, I mean, I would urge any founder who is even thinking of applying to definitely apply. If you could get in onto the Parallel Bootcamp and work with the team in-house that just have an answer for everything that you may actually need to ask, I'd really urge you to do so. All right. That's great to hear. And good idea with the cheat sheet. And we'll see what we can do. Um, what was your favorite workshop or webinar and why? Um, I'm just trying to think of the actual names of them. So I uh, don't get one of those wrong. It was actually the one that I missed, um, funnily enough. Well, I don't mean that in a funny way. I enjoyed it because I missed it. Oh, you were kind enough with all of the webinars to make sure they went into Notion so we could actually review them at our leisure afterwards, which I did with all of the webinars. But the one that I missed, which was actually about bringing um, more, more uh, how you can, um, just trying to think exactly what, uh, trying to think of the word, word is and uh, what it was, and um, how you can bring new um, customers, uh, grow the waiting list, um, I think it was the fourth webinar in the series. Um, so yeah, name escapes me, but the one that I missed, which which had uh, ad, uh, enhanced your marketing ploy, that was the one that um, was really good. Okay, super. And just to wrap up, what does success for you and PT Fitness Coach look like in three to six months? Uh, a monetized uh, MVP um, in a nutshell um, the reason why I'm bringing brands on board from the outset is we'll be earning an affiliate fee from them once I've got a certain amount of uh, founding um, personal trainers on board I'll be starting to create a subscription model for them so definitely a monetized um, MVP for me alright and last question we'll wrap up with uh... Going back to the pitch that you gave yesterday, so uh, how how would you like to improve that if and when you you decide to pitch in front of investors in the future? And rookie mistake, really. Um, I should have anticipated. Well, I was practicing the pitch over and over and over again, which I felt went okay. Um, I think I should have really sat down to think about what they're going to ask and make sure I had the right answers for those questions. So for me personally, that's something that I'll, I'll need to look at from tomorrow and day after for the next, pic, next picture I do. Again, like I said, um, it's, there's always room for growth and that I'm always uh, happy with. Anyone who says that they got it perfect, that, you know, that there's no room for growth, then you've probably already got the solution. You don't need to be in the boot camp. Right on. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Sam. And I really look forward to catching up with you in 10 months or a year or a year and a half in the future and seeing what you've grown PT Fitness Coach into. I'm going to follow your journey. I'll leave uh, links in the show notes for everybody to sign up on the wait list or follow you on Twitter as well. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for your time, John. Thank you. See you. Bye.